G'day podcast listeners and thank you for downloading this week's episode of Lunch Money. Uh, I was reluctant to put this week's episode up because one of our guests, James, had some issues with his audio. Um, On reflection, I've figured that uh, the quality of the content really was so good that I think that if you're willing to persevere with with, uh, James's audio, I think uh, it'll be rewarding. So um, with that caveat... um Thank you and enjoy the show. G'day and welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, We are the online and social media home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. Uh, I am the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital and I'm your live stream and podcast host. So uh, a very warm welcome to you. Um, I would like to remind you uh, to share, like, or subscribe to our podcast, wherever it might be uh, that you're watching uh, watching us from. If you're watching us uh, on YouTube, remember to hit the hit the uh, reminder button. Um, and we're also on Apple and Google and Spotify, so uh, and iHeartRadio. So if you're worried about missing us live, you can always listen to us later on. Um, on one of those platforms. Um, Today's theme is heavy metal. We are looking at uh, uh, the heavy stuff that makes uh, Australian industry work, um, be it uh, road transport, uh, mining, earth moving, construction uh, and agriculture. And we've got a couple of specialists uh, who are going to be joining us uh, to talk about uh, how finance works uh, when it comes to funding these heavy bits of equipment and what's going on in the markets for the buyers and sellers and the underlying industries um, uh, for, for this stuff. So I'm going to start off by introducing our first guest, uh, Robbie Gruel. Hey, Nick, Robbie. Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Um, now, Robbie is the broker manager at GNH Financial. And uh, I guess as the broker manager there, Robbie, your uh, expertise is uh, you've got other brokers you've got uh, that come to you with uh, the deals that require just a, a little bit more um, uh, commercial expertise to get them done, I guess because the, um, the industries are harder or, or the more complex deals. Uh, what is it that's been keeping you busy the last week? Look, we're seeing um, we're seeing uh, some movement. A lot of the banks are actually lending again, which is good. Um, but business is really always looking for cash flow solutions. So we're seeing a lot of movement around the uh, the debtor and uh, cash flow space. Um, bit of acquisition stuff going on where you've got people out there looking for bargains because there are bargains to be had. Businesses that didn't survive. You know, COVID, so on and so forth. So, a lot of a lot of growth, really, uh, mostly positive. Not a lot of negativity uh, going on at the moment. And when you when you talk to your your brokers, because you've obviously you've got uh, you know a network of brokers that you service. Are they are they getting busier, or what what's happening in their in their markets? When you ask them what they're up to themselves, are they are they seeing more deals? Are they what's going on there? Predominantly, um, unless you're in Victoria. Uh, and, and, and that's you know pretty well known. Uh, record numbers. It's it's really active. Um, you know the the stimulus to, was probably better than it should have been. Uh, business has been really really good. Uh, acquisition uh, asset acquisitions massive at the moment. If you can get it, um, you know the, the stock stock of, of a lot of assets isn't isn't available due to import issues, but. Um, you know, it's, it's just really busy. It's a really, really good market at the moment. 
So I guess uh, as a result of that, you know, because there's not a lot of stuff coming in because of uh, supply chain issues, uh, are people tending to fund more secondhand stuff? Well, yes, it, it's it's twofold. So people are either liquidating their, their balance sheets to raise capital because you're getting top dollar for, for used stuff at the moment. Um, but it's it's massive inflation on used used assets. So you're either raising money against them, or, or people are paying overs for them. Um, and eventually, you know that that chicken's got to come home to roost. Um, you know, stock will become available again, and we're talking everything from cars through to to trucks, trailers, yellow um, uh, luxury items are going through the roof as well because no one's travelling. Used stuff's going at going at really good prices. Um, and yeah, people are people are funding it, and banks are giving them money, and lenders are giving them money. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, what how how do the banks feel about the um, uh, you know obviously they're they're typically comfortable buying new stuff from reputable dealers and all that sort of thing. But how how are you finding getting uh, used uh, used stuff through? The market dictates, doesn't it? So yeah. I mean, every, every lender would love to be funding something that's less than you know twelve months old and has a guaranteed future value and all of the above. But if it's just not available, it's just not available. Yeah. Um, so the other the other thing I think and is lenders have had to, they have to deploy their funds. So there was a lot of, of inactivity in, uh, in in 2020, we know that, but we're, we're well into 2021 now. Um, and it's not just banks, it's lenders. Um, they have to deploy their funds and get a return for you know, whoever their investors are. So um, they don't really have, a, not that they don't have a choice, but yes, they are lending on used assets because that's what the market's doing at the moment. That's just what they have to do if they want to get their money out. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting. So I suppose a guy like you, you probably, you don't have to buy yourself a coffee, a lunch or a dinner. You've got lenders sort of crawling all over you trying to, trying to get the business. Is that the way it works? I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of a lunch. Um, <laughs> anyone that knows me, but yeah, there's uh there's there's a fair bit of uh, fair bit of uh, activity. You you as a funder would be seeing pretty similar to what I'm seeing, I yeah. imagine. Now listen, we've got a question for you, Rob. Already, Jill Lawrence, uh, who is um, at the Institute of Chartered Accountants, uh, is asking: Is have you got any sense of LVRs banks are applying? Assume they would be aware of actual values versus inflation value over time. Are you sort of getting any any sense of banks saying, well, you know, this stuff's pricey now but we're worried about um you know about it coming down in the future like you know we know that there's issues with supply chain a question uh, that relates to what jill's asked there where I'm, I'm having a lot of funds so not banks but but funds private private funds or small asset funders asking questions about guaranteed buybacks and guaranteed future values from um auction houses so there's you know there there is certainly people are aware whether it's you know June this year or whether it's in 2022 and 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 you know assets become available again, the, 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 every bubble has to bust at some point. Yeah. Um, as I said, I've I've had multiple conversations with multiple funds about uh, the option of guaranteed future values and, and and guaranteed sale of assets in the event of default. You know, I'm not avoiding Jill's question. The market's the market, so yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting. I mean, I think that uh, I think that uh, that there's a bit of desperation, uh, I guess, to you know, to get funds deployed, and um, and as you say, I, I guess. If for every boom and bust cycle, um, we, we never seem to learn from the busts and, and it's just a matter of which rules are going to get looked past, I, I, I think. Now, thank you very much for uh, your question there, Jill. Much appreciated early on in the piece. Now, listen, Rob, we are going to put you back in the waiting room and we're going to have a crack at talking at our next guest, who is James Slattery. G'day, James. G'day, Nick. How's the audio now? Yeah, look, the audio is still is still wonky, James. I have to say. All right, listen, we'll, we, we will we will persevere. Um, listen, what is it? What have you been up to this week? Uh, we're seeing a lot of activity, Nick. We're starting to get a little bit more of the insolvency work coming through. There's no real tsunami as such, um, but we've definitely seen enough appointments that we're taking, and it is more so back to the old days of, you know, this is all anecdotal, but get in close it down, collect it, and um, take it back to our sites around the country. And that's um, that's sort of been uh, very much a shift in what's been happening in the in the six months prior. You know, when there was an appointment, it was, you know, try and work through it, sale of business, those things. At the moment, it is just cut and shut, and that just might be an anomaly, but we've had it in, uh, in probably about five instances of the, uh, in the last week or so. Hey, um, you said cut and shut. So you, that, I really don't like cut and shut because, um, you know, as a financier, we want we, we understand there's got to be a lot of restructuring. So we're hoping that there'll be businesses that are just uh, going through and there'll be a business on the other side. But you're, you're seeing more liquidators, they're not able to salvage the businesses. All they're able to do is sell up the assets. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where the people who haven't got help Early, early enough in the piece, so the options are then limited. So, you know, those tools which are normally available to the, the restructuring or the financiers, uh, they're, they're just not there. So they've let it go too long, and the issues, the options are, you know, just close the business down and, and move on. And it may have been that that's effectively there's some zombie companies which are getting wound up too, but um, yeah, there's just, I imagine it is, from what I can see, they've just let it go on too long. And uh, with respect to on the valuation side of business, you know, Rob was saying that, you know, there are obviously issues in supply chains for new equipment and, you know, we'll, we'll come back to, um, uh, to that as we go through industry by industry. Uh, are, you, are you finding, you know, you've been called upon to value a lot more stuff for, for new finance? Yeah, definitely. And similar to what Rob was saying about the different funds, we're doing a lot of work for private equity at the moment. And there's a lot of people who are starting to buy up different business units and bolt on. And so the, the appetite for acquisition is definitely high. And we're um, doing a lot of the valuation and uh, working with some of the DD, whether it's uh, exercise on how to um, uh, rebrand or um, you know, costs and logistics on those sorts of things. So that sort of fits in the asset advisory side of, of our business. But then um, doing the underlying value of the assets, if you're going to buy capital-intensive equipment and you think you're going to need all the finance or get your, your investors or whatnot on board, they getting a, getting us to come in and do the independent report to make sure that the values are where they should be and they're not just using either the book value, depreciated value, or, or what the director has said. Wow. Okay. And you're seeing, and, but you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of inquiries from the PE firms. A lot of a lot of the sort of uh, M and A stuff. 
Yeah, and it's not even just inquiry. It's actual. It's it's, it's activity. So there's there's you know, we're actively on about four different files at the moment for for different firms that are that are in the middle of their DD, and we're we're helping them with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look, we'll bring uh, we'll bring Rob back into the conversation, and uh, we just might open up with a little bit of heavy metal because we are talking about heavy metal here. So let's see if we can. If we can make that happen, what do we got? Just to get us in the mood. That's uh, that's actually my personal trainer's heavy metal band there. So um, shout out to him. So um, so so starting uh, starting at the top of um, of the industries, we've got road transport. So. Um, what, what do you? You've actually. I'm working off the the uh, Slattery's quarterly asset remarketing report, and this is obviously a report that you guys publish uh, once a quarter. And I'll be putting a link to your quarterly report in our um, in our summary of this of this podcast. Um, starting off with, I guess the heavy the heavy trucks. Um, how are the auctions for those going? What's uh, you know who's who's buying and who's selling? Yeah, sure. The market in the heavy trucks is still really strong. And part of it is because Volvo, Kenworth and Mac, they all manufacture in Australia. And so they can get roughly about 85% of their parts, um, you know, they're, they're really, relatively easily sourced. But there's still that 15%, which is impacting the supply chain, which means that they can't, you know, in normal circumstances, they can ramp up their, their shifts so that they can be producing 26 trucks a day, roughly um, each. But at the moment, they, they can't get to that. So they've, if you drive past the factories, they'll have some, you know, some parts missing off the trucks on sort of 90% complete trucks, which with manufacturing just hurts. So what that means for the second-hand market is the values are still really strong, um, which underpins the – and there's still obviously a large demand for the trucks, which leads to the financiers having a stronger and healthier appetite to be able to look at some of the older type trucks, which they wouldn't normally use. Um, which they wouldn't normally fund, but that is happening. The older type trucks, which the financiers typically, you know, and, and Robbie will have a better opinion on this, are sort of 10 to 15 years old, um, don't normally get a lot of attention. But at the moment, the agriculture industry is really strong and they're underpinning a lot of that sort of not primary type asset, which would be, say, less than five years old, um, in, in trucks and less than 10 or 15 years old in machinery. they For the last couple of years with uh, drought, that, that, that market just has been almost non-existent. It's almost scrap value. Now that the agriculture's come back on and the confidence is there, the, uh, the farmers are actually buying that equipment. So the used prices across the board have come up and it's not just because of the shortage of new, but it's also the demand has increased. Um, it's been uh, it's been quite remarkable and I think that in, in road transport it's going to continue for some time just because they can't pump out the new trucks. Now, Robbie, um, I just wonder... Uh, uh, Robbie, I, I just wonder if, uh, you know, normally particularly banks, will say nothing over, you know, five years or ten years. I mean, are you finding that, as James was just saying, with the, the lack of availability of stock, are they, you know, are they, whereas they wouldn't fund a ten-year-old truck, they'll no doubt do that? Is the age, are they lifting restrictions on ages? Short answer to your question is yes, subject to full credit review. So you will have, um, you know, every, every bank and non-bank has their matrix product um, and they are still age limited. Um, yeah. 
probably a few lenders who are, who will listen to this at some point and want to have an argument with me in the you know life's life but um but subject to a, a you know full credit review if we can get a, an independent valuation from slattery um you know and it, it forms part of the credit submission and it stacks up then yeah the you know, the older assets are getting bought getting bought by lenders and and you know customers are buying them and James also made a comment there about trucks that are locally manufactured. Do, do, do the lenders have a bias for, you know, a Volvo because they're making them here versus something that's coming on a boat? I had a, uh, a deal come across my desk yesterday um, for five concrete pumps and the brand eludes me. It certainly wasn't a mainstream brand. Um, and I put it to a, a, a private lender and they said that they would lend the customer $800,000, which was the value of the transaction, but they wouldn't lend it to them based on that unit. Um, and that's just not trucks. You get that. I, I did a, I did a, I did a 10 car deal on some vans for a courier company uh, and it got approved with a lender. We put it up uh, for a pre-approval. It got approved when we submitted the invoices. They actually pulled the approval because they weren't willing to fund that asset, that brand asset. Um, there are stronger brands than others um so yes you you do see you do you do certainly see some bias towards uh brands now something else james said there robbie was uh um you know obviously there's not a lot of stock on the market now i, I am aware that uh there's 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 new terminology that's crept into the lenders which is um uh, so days, day, pick up days or days to pick up a file or something. What, what do they call it? Um, uh, you know, we, we never used to have that um, when, when I was working for uh, for the leasing companies. But these days there's this metric where they say, oh, yeah, we're, we're on a seven-day uh, pickup. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, uh, so, so the thing is, though, you know, if there's one truck and, you know, they're taking seven days to pick up the file, aren't I at risk of missing out on that truck? I mean, you're finding that kind of pressure? Massively, what what you're finding is um, average turnaround times with with lenders have slowed. Um, you know, um, it's great to have a great product, and rates are cheap. So, you know, rates are cheap. Businesses are actually rightly or wrongly, and James made reference to you know potentially zombie companies and so on. So, rightly or wrongly, there are more solvent businesses and insolvent businesses right now. That's going to change. We all know that. But long story short, rates are cheap. People are applying and average turnaround time is slow, but that has given an opportunity for non-bank lenders to, to really to really come through. So what might take, you know, a month with a bank might take a week with a non-bank, um, but the customer will pay, you know, a, a higher rate, but time is money. And as you said, if they need the asset and they're making money off the asset, then, you know, they'd rather get the approval fast. Well, we, yeah, look, we, we had... Uh... We had a three million dollar jet that uh, one of James's colleagues in uh, in Queensland valued uh, valued for us, and you know the fact that we were able to do it, you know, we turned it around in less than ten days. It had been sitting on bank desks for months and months for various reasons. You know, I guess what the banks were concerned as to why the guy particularly needed a jet versus a turbo prop and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, turnaround times are still a big factor. Um, all right, look, I, I I'll just come back to James now. Just you, you in your report. Um, you separate the markets into, um, the, you know, the new road transport market, and then you've also got the secondary road transport market. Just if there, is there any difference in those markets, James? 
Um, well, we, we typically put in the, the new market as a bit of a lead indicator as to what's happening in the secondary market. So, you know, you can't look at one without the other. Um, and to just touch on one of those points uh, that Robbie, Robbie was talking about as far as um, the primary asset and the secondary asset, it was um, we've actually built a secondary market asset guide and you can have, um, you know, you don't value a great wall in the same in the same way that you would value uh, Mercedes-Benz. There's different depreciation schedules. So as part of that, we've built out uh, the different asset categories as well as the different brands within that category. So, you know, transport, for instance, so the premium brands are... Kenworth and Volvo, and then you have uh, the brands which don't hold their value as well, which would be something like a, um, a Scania, for instance, which may not have the same service or parts or, you know, cost to, cost to repair, availability, those things. Can I, can I ask you, James, I've got your list here. Um, uh, I think there's some examples of asset prices. Are you telling me a 2015 Kenworth prime mover with 931,000 kilometres on it, you, you're getting 95% of retail? At the moment, yeah. yeah. It's, That's um, to you, Robbie. <laughs> you're telling me that thing's done nearly a million kilometres and yeah, so it's still nearly worth what it was new. Yeah, not where, it is, well, not where it's new. So that's not the, the new price. It's not 95% of new price. It's 95% of if that truck was retailed. So that would right. be if it was retailed with warranties, with the assurances that you'd expect from a retail type sale. But at the moment, the secondary market is so strong that the auctions are actually bringing uh, retail price, as in the, the market value, rather than what would traditionally be an auction value. Okay. All right, well, look, I've already uh, shared with you a bit of my musical taste. Uh, now, let's see a bit of Slattery's musical taste with that Slattery's video. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Uh, who chooses your music, James? That particular auction was done in central Queensland, Nick, so that was more location has chosen it. But uh, it turns out that the guys who produced that video don't have their personal trainer screaming at them as much as yours does. <laughs> and do you have, like, standard issue uh, Texas 10-gallon hats? I noticed that some of the guys had the big hats there. Yeah, they certainly do in Queensland. When we opened up in Brisbane, I think it was 2015, I was standing in the yard and this guy walked straight up to me and uh, he was a buyer and said, son, if you're going to be in Queensland, you need a hat. <laughs> and so um, yeah, very much standard issue in Queensland, particularly in central and western Queensland where we do a lot of work. Okay. All right. Well, that, uh, there was some yellow goods in the background there. So just a quick, um, what, what's, what's happening in the yellow goods markets? And, and I guess yellow goods, there's civil, you know, people building roads, but there's also mining. So what are you what are you seeing in those in those sectors? Yeah, that civil type of uh, equipment, what we call yellow goods, it's it's very strong at the moment, and particularly after the recent rain where all the roads get damaged, there's certain pockets within what we call the yellow goods start to perform really well. So graders, for instance, graders are predominantly used for fixing and, and building roads. So uh, when the water goes through, it typically destroys all the roads, so there's a much higher demand for those sorts of things. But uh, in the mining uh, and... It, there's a, there's a lot happening. The resource prices are strong. Um, uh, 
excluding coal. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, the resource for us is strong and availability of equipment is, is low, which means that the hourly rental rates are, are increasing, which underpins a lot of that demand. You know, if something comes up, you can get a good hourly rate on it. Someone will buy it, even just on spec, in, in the hope that they get a contract, which at the moment they probably are. In that lower that lower size, you know, 30 tonne and, and below, there's more of that uh, property developer, plumber, civil construction type. Even even that market is still really strong. Um, is you know, housing prices across the country are going pretty well. So anyone who's doing new development blocks is uh, is getting lots of lots of work done. And whatever we can get our hands on is selling really well. I imagine Robbie would be able to finance it pretty easily because the appetite for that equipment is strong. Quite often we're getting uh, we're working with Robbie and others to um, so here's a piece of equipment. Uh, not only what's it worth, but also a little bit of a narrative as to say um, this machine it can do um, it's maintenance costs are pretty low up to say 10,000 hours uh, 10 and 12,000 hours is okay but beyond 12,000 hours you start to spend sort of 75% of the machine's value in maintaining that machine uh, from this part of its life onwards so um, depending on where it fits in we create a little narrative to say this machine is um, is good uh, lifespan for it should be another three years as long as it's well serviced and well maintained um, these are some of the things that we've, that we've inspected and that fits in with good maintenance schedules within the company so there's people now going all right well it's not just the asset value it's also um, backing the customer to to do the right things with their fleet Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's ask Robbie. Um, what I guess you, I just wonder, do you see more yellow goods than you do road transport? I'm trying to think that the deals that are tricky are probably you're more likely to be in the civil and mining space and the transport, or you see a bit of everything. We see uh, probably more transport than um, transport and small civil than mining. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we deal predominantly with you know micro and SME. Um, but just going back to just what James was talking uh, and he was talking about, you know, values based on maintenance schedules and so on. It reminded me, Nick, you referenced a 2005 Kenworth for $95,000 with a million Ks on it. Now, that truck's worth $95,000 with a million Ks on it, subject to uh, you know, either an engine rebuild or a really good maintenance report. It's also absolutely worthless without... Uh, you know, the relevant maintenance that's being done. So the, the research, and I know I've diverged back off of your question, but the research into the maintenance and the and so on is, is really important when it comes to putting the deal together for the lender. Right, okay. And I guess, yeah, so it's typically machine hours when it comes to, to yellow and, and civil. Um, but I guess uh, the appetite, you're, you're finding strong appetite if you do have yellow goods, be they... Uh, you know, the small diggers that a developer might be using or the bigger stuff, there's still strong appetite for all that stuff? Really strong appetites. Um, you know, whatever people can get their hands on. Um, and uh, as as James has said, uh, the small civil stuff, um, lenders are buying it uh, as long as it's, it's, you know, the attachments are right and it's fit for purpose. Mate, the, the market's quite strong at the moment. And what about different sectors? I mean, the, the, these yellow goods, as I say, some of them are used in mining services, some of them are used in civil, uh, you know, there's wet and dry hire. Does the nature of the business uh, make it, you know, impact on getting the deal set? Uh, no. 
that was i'm not dodging your question just no yeah. the yeah. you know whether you're talking about your small operators who are your subbies or whether you're talking whether you're talking about your head contractors it's it just comes down to um where the work is and and um and what the assets being used for but at the moment it's it's pretty robust yeah and james uh availability of this stuff it's the same with uh, uh with 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 road transport i mean it's very hard to get equipment. I mean, what's happening? Is the stuff getting into the country? Uh, is it none of it's manufactured locally? No, it's, it's not manufactured. It's it's all just uh, about future uh, future orders. And and so what happened at the beginning of COVID? Everyone sort of slashed their order books because there was financial harm again. And then everything's picked up, and they haven't been able to get the equipment. But um, since this time last year, the back orders are starting to come through. Um, but there is um, there is still some availability, but it is just taking time. If you go anything sort of uh, a la carte in your machinery, which you can very easily do, you know, you get um, rail attachments fitted to go and do the inland rail. You know, that's an extra fifty grand, and it takes um, takes uh, whatever however many amounts of months to to get that done. So. Um, yeah, it, it, the availability is starting to come uh, to increase, but it's still slow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's, uh, let's just uh, have a look at the auto sector when it comes to cars. Um, and I, I know that used car prices have gone crazy. We've talked about it before on lunch money uh, for all the reasons that we've sort of already alluded to, you know, availability. I know that dealers can't get, well, there hasn't been new cars, so people haven't been trading in cars. So, you know, the used car dealers haven't got any stock and so they've got to go to the auctions and bid up the prices. But, uh, you know, when the ships start rolling in with with, with new cars, it will, will the price of used cars come down, James? Uh, the, the, the typical answer is yes. Um, you know, the, similar to the to the transport market, we always look at what news doing to then try and um, see the patterns which are evolving in, in the used car market. And the used car market, as you're right, for all those reasons, has been strong for some time, and I think it will continue to be strong. But what we've just noticed in the last week or two is that there is a little bit of heat coming out of that used car market. We were having clearance rates which were in excess of 90%, which is and, and sustains 90%. We've just come off the seasonal high in the used car market in the auctions, and it's we're now it's now shifting into a bit more of a um, of following the pattern of normal years where. After the Easter school holidays, the, the prices start to dip and they're at their low point in winter. So um, we are starting to see some of that heat come out of the used car market, um, but I'm not sure what's what's going to happen in the coming months. We've just put an order in for, for our business for um, to replace part of our own fleet, and we were told that we were going to get these cars in May, and now they're telling us June, and so there is still some availability issues coming for cars coming in, but I do... I do expect that whilst the heat is coming out, it's not necessarily a normalisation. It's still above where it should be. But people are starting to become a little bit more selective in what they're buying. They're not just buying anything. Where between November and February, it didn't matter what you're selling, someone was just going to buy. It was almost the equivalent of uh, panic buying from toilet paper. People just yeah. wanted to buy cars and wanted to get in before you know, this eventual. Um, rise was it was almost perceived like it wasn't going to stop and you wouldn't be able to buy a car again okay and uh, i guess uh, rob you finance a few cars yeah we do we do plenty of cars 
It's funny where we were just uh, I was chatting with someone um, the other day. I've got a mate that, and this is an outlier. This is a this is a uniqueish asset. But I've got a mate who has a 2016 uh, Defender, Land Rover Defender. So as I said, it is an outlier. Um, but he bought it for fifty thousand dollars about five months ago, uh, and someone's offered him ninety thousand dollars for it uh, this week. So he's selling it. Um, and uh, and you know I've got you know I've got mates who you know, buy and sell cars a lot, and everyone is selling their cars right now because there's just so much equity in them. Um, it's it's a, just a weird weird space. Um, and then as James said, uh, you know dealers can't get dealers can't provide stock. Uh, I believe James, correct me if I'm wrong. You're about six months away from a an Isuzu or for a Hilux at the moment. The the, the weights are pretty pretty substantial. Well, yeah, my, my understanding is that you, you you're going you know three to six months to be getting new new stock for light trade. So. As a result, uh, as a result, we're doing a lot of used cars um, at the moment. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much, James Slattery um, from Slattery's Auctions, um, and th thank you very much to Robbie Grew. It's been great having you both on. Actually, a lot of very thank valuable you. insights into what's going on both in the finance markets and in those asset markets. So, thank you very much, James and Robbie. Thank you very much to our listeners and to our viewers, and we'll do it all again next week. Cheers.